0: Hi and welcome to the GMC Sunday podcast where our team from GMC Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland bring you our weekly message from the Lord. This podcast brings you a sermon series in St Paul's letter to the Ephesians, grounding ourselves in the Church of Jesus Christ. Each week our preaching team will consider Paul's letter to the Church in Ephesus and the wider region of then Asia Minor and in it see one of the most contemporary letters for the Church today. It's a letter filled with deep meaning, exploring the past, present and future with his great argument. Paul considers all things before the foundation of the world and then carries it on to the fullness of times, embracing in its compass all things in heaven and on earth. Ephesians sets the theological landscape for those who love Jesus in order that they will bear fruit as individuals and as the universal church. Thanks for joining us on this podcast and we hope you're both encouraged to respond to God's word and will be challenged by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, before the word from God, we will lead you in a time of prayer.
1: Let's still our hearts and pray. Heavenly Father, King of kings and Lord of lords, the great I am. There is none like you, there is none equal to you. No one and nothing boasts the privilege to even be called your rival. We give thanks for we are a called people, chosen by your mighty hand to be vessels of grace and mercy how sweet it is to stand here today in the presence of brothers and sisters created in your likeness and covered by your righteousness we give thanks Lord for time and time again you have been gracious unto us and we seek you now for further mercy as your church Lord God we repent of our wrongdoings and we recognize our identity as sons and as daughters of the Most High King. Oh, how sweet that is. For we deserve none of it yet, In your greatness bestow all of it unto us. God, this day by your Holy Spirit, might you dress us with power, wisdom, and peace, in order that we might serve your will, preach the gospel and make disciples. And as we move into a time of singing your praises again, Father, we remember and pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
0: Following our prayer time, I hope your heart is prepared and open to receive from God's word wherever you are today. If in anything you hear from our preacher today, from God's word or the sermon challenges you and maybe raises questions or if you want to know more about the Christian faith and getting to know the Lord Jesus then please get in touch via our website or through the office details are in our show notes or if you'd like to support GMC financially in our ministry for the kingdom then offering details can also be found on the contact us page of our website gillespiechurch.org now over to our preacher
2: as we've heard over the last couple of weeks, Paul's letter to the Ephesians is, is more than simply a letter to a single community, and it's also a refreshment for me because I had just realized that um, in the last year, I've probably preached, I don't know, four or five times, and every single one of them has been on Matthew, so this is... <laughs> This is a this is a lovely change. I had to, I had to find Ephesians in the Bible because I was everything was just all on, on on Matthew. But anyway, this letter that is was sent to the uh, the Ephesian church was um, was not a letter that necessarily informs them of how Paul's getting on or or what he thinks of a particular incident or an issue that that, that the Ephesian church might have had, and the. It's, it's more a description to the new churches, giving them a foundation in what the church means with Christ at its head and that Im- unimaginable love and, and, more importantly, that the, the grace which has brought them all together and it continues to bring new converts t- to it. The letter's not meant... F- for that, the Ephesian church alone, but to all the churches as that, in, that encouragement. And it's a unifying call for focus on our Saviour Jesus. The reading that we're coming to today takes us into Ephesians chapter two and reading from verses one to, through to verse 10. Made alive in Christ, it says. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, to us in in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus god saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this it's a gift from god salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it for we are god's masterpiece he has created in us a new and in Christ Jesus, so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. May God bless this, his word to us this morning and the message of it today. That's a wonderful, uplifting uh, passage. But as you can see, as usual, with so many of these things, this chapter doesn't start a new item it's a, it continues directly from the previous sentence in, uh, in chapter 1. So it's just going to say, once you were dead and because of your sins. In order for us to find out our start point for today, we need to look back at the end of last week's passage as that introduction. So chapter 1, verses 21 to 23, read... Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. It's not a however or a therefore, but it is a continuation of that, of his point. He's bringing evidence of the purpose of the power which is now under Christ's authority with the church as his body and we being that church. In his description, Paul describes the formation of the church through three stages of being with Jesus as that cornerstone from which all the pieces fit together and find their place. These stages are dead, covered in verses 1 to 3, alive, covered in verses 4 to 7, and created in verses 8 to 10. And I want to look briefly at each today. So looking back at verses 1 to 3, it reads... Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey. All of us used to live in that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. It won't be long before I have no teenage children. I've got one to go and he just turned 18. My own next milestone might even be retirement. My kids think of me as ancient. When I don't understand the words youth, they ask, what year BC were you born, Dad? When I see them all growing up so quickly, I do, I do quickly start to feel a little bit old. And the fact of the matter is, I did live in BC times. The truth is, we all have a BC time in our lives. Our lives have a before Christ. For some, that was a long time ago. For others, it's very recent. And for many in today, we're still living in BC times. The direction of that time leads towards death. In B.C. times, spiritually, we were already dead. The message version gives this translation of what that death looks like of these first few verses. It wasn't that long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which does not know the first thing about living, tell you how to live you filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and exhaled exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. I think this is a really interesting and telling description. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled the disobedience. I really like that description. We filled ourselves with impurity through ignorance, through following the world's direction, and we exhaled disobedience and did as we pleased. This deceived us into selfish and sin filled, spirit dead lives. Can we be surprised then? if we died a little bit more inside with each contaminated breath? Can we be surprised if we weren't hurtling towards eternal condemnation from God? This is the position that Paul says was our start point. It's important to note the inclusiveness and universality of this judgment Remembering that the New Ephesian church was a, was a Gentile church, born out of a non-Jewish background. Paul starts his description with, "Once you were dead," he goes on, "You used to live in sin." But then, in verse three, he changes. All of us used to live that way. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. Death is the starting point for all Christians. Spiritual death was a starting point for all Christians without exception. The whole body of the church, this is important as it becomes a unifying factor for everyone. No one is exempt from the same start, not Jew or Gentile, man or woman, old or young. This was probably used as an encouragement to the Gentile church and perhaps a caution for the Jewish churches. Fortunately, it's only our starting point. There is a future now, and it it revolves around grace. A grace which gives life. Verses four to seven says, but God is, is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So you can point, God can point to us in future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. The beauty of this section is illustrated in the first two words but God. Many a sermon has been preached on these two words alone. They appear regularly across the New Testament Scripture. For example, Acts 2, verses 23 to 24. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Romans 5 verses 7 and 8. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. First Corinthians 1, verses 26, 27. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Lives can, lead, can, can head in any direction, but God can change things in an instant. Only he has the power to make things different. Those two words take all the pressure away from us and we fall under his will, his authority over our situations. So why does God do this? What encouraged him to give us life? Paul identifies four reasons for this. His great love for us, in verse 4 he loved us so much his mercy again in verse 4 he says God is so rich in mercy he has that compassion for us and a desire to save us from the consequences of our lives apart from God his kindness in verse 7 is his grace and kindness towards us his love is shown through the kindness that he gives us in our time of need And finally, his grace. It's it's mentioned in verse 5, 7, and 8. Only by God's grace have you been saved. Examples of incredible wealth of his grace. God saved you by his grace. The emphasis placed on God's grace here is because it's only through grace that we are returned to him. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Through his grace, we're given life by the the resurrected Christ. Grace is always undeserved. It's only through this but God moment that we receive it and we are saved. We have access to the power and riches of God through the suffering of Christ. And it is through Christ that we come to our third stage, our being created. The final three verses in the passage tell us about that. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you you can't take the credit for that. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Here we have the three key foundation strands of the Christian message: salvation, grace, and faith. The Christian church hangs on these three strands. Salvation goes beyond forgiveness of sin; it's deliverance from death, from the death, slavery, and wrath that we were described, that were described in the first three verses of our reading. It encompasses the totality of our new life in Christ as we've been made alive through him, to be seated with him in the heavenly realm. Grace is the gift of God. It's his free and undeserved mercy towards us. And faith is that humble trust with which we receive that gift for ourselves. Paul is at pains, to emphasize that none of us, none of this can be attributed to us or our actions. this is not a reward it's not a transactional or conditional based gift and why? For we're God's masterpiece. He' has created in us created us anew in Christ Jesus. we are God's masterpiece we are His. Creation, renewed in Christ, so that we can do the good things He planned for us. So, what might these good things He planned for us in advance? It's interesting that Paul would use a term like good things, good works, as throughout his ministry, he is at pains to tell us that good works won't get God's rewards, it's character and faith, and trust. He says it there in verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. None of us can boast about this. I believe that the answer lies in the comparison of our before Christ lives and our new created lives in Christ. Paul sets a contrast with our new, with our new life in, lives in Christ against that backdrop of where we've come from. He uses the term, the literal term for walking or walk, in his description of our deadness in verses one and two. The the Revised Standard Version Bible uses this term where he says, When you were dead through the uh, through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. And Paul uses the same word in verse ten, where he says. Again, from the, the, the Revised Standard Version, for we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have been saved from death, from the path we once walked. We are alive in Christ. Our old self has been replaced with our new self in Christ, and we walk a new path with him. Our old values, our priorities and responses have gone. They are on the old path. As a new creation, we have new eyes to see the world differently. We have a new purpose to live for, a new focus, a new strength. We have new spiritual gifts, a new passion and compassion. Our new approach, our bold, obedient, and joy-filled responses to our salvation are the good things that God has always planned for us. And that can look like a million things. Small acts of kindness to great big acts of mercy and forgiveness. In his book, In the Grip of Grace, Max Le told a story about a time he was trying to explain the gift of grace to his congregation. And he offered a dollar bill to anyone who wanted it. No one came forward at first, probably through embarrassment or expecting there to be a catch. There's always a catch when the minister offers you money. Or maybe they just simply didn't need it. According to Max Lucado, the accepting of forgiveness is, is like the accepting of free money. We're embarrassed to admit we might need it, We don't think we need it, or there's always a cash to accepting it. On this day, a lady raised her hand for the dollar, and she was called down to the front to receive it, and Max continued his his lesson. And the next week, he spoke to the woman and said, do you still have the dollar? He said, no. And he said, did you spend it? No, I gave it away. When she'd returned to her seat the previous week, a child had asked her if he could have it. So she gave it to him. And she explained, it was a gift to me. It's a gift to you. We all have our gifts to share. God saved us through his grace because he's kind, he's merciful, and he loves us. If we're looking at a world with our new secure, Christ-filled perspective, solely down to the gift of grace from God, then our response to the world is to share our experience and our joy with whoever God brings into our lives. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the glorious gift... of of your son, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice that he gave on that cross for the grace that you have for us that you would, would desire to rescue us. Lord, I pray that we might walk with Christ and in his strength And that we might share with others the gift of that grace, of that love, of that kindness, of that joy with others. With new eyes and new perspective. With new lives and new joy. In the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Sunday Worship Podcast from the team here at GMC. Again, if you'd like more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, then visit our website at gillespiechurch.org. Find us on Facebook or look back at some of the videos on our YouTube channel. Just search Gillespie Memorial Church. All inquiries can be made through the Contact Us page of our website. Details in the show notes. If you'd like to support our work with a financial donation, then offerings can be made by clicking the Support Us with Stewardship icon through the Contact Us page of the website. If you like what you heard, then please share with friends and family. This has been a production of GMC, including the pastors and the tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Jack Wiggle, and the soundtrack is Up to the Mood by Tree. Thanks for listening, and God bless.